Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. excited about the message, and I would encourage you to really open your hearts today, because I believe over these next five weeks, we're going to be in these collection of talks for five weeks, five Sundays, and we probably could do even more, but I just believe it's so powerful and so needed today. And today's title of our conversation this morning is, Best Believe That. I don't know if you ever heard that phrase before, best believe. Well, today, I'm going to tell you, you best believe that, and the that is our conversation this morning on the Apostles' Creed. And I want to encourage you with this verse from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says this, Instead, you must worship Christ, Jesus, as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. You ever had someone ask you a question about something and you had no idea how to explain it, but you tried anyway because you didn't want to seem like you didn't know? Like I'll, I, all, all the time, <laughs> right? Like you ever have someone bring up like a band or a show before and you're like, oh yeah, I love that band or I love that show. Awesome, what do you love about it? And you've never seen an episode or heard a song, but you just wanted to kind of connect to the conversation. Been there, guilty, right? And I think one of the worst things for us, and as your pastor, I feel like I would do such a horrible job for you if I didn't prepare you for this, is that if someone asks you about, hey, what do you talk about at church? What do you believe as a Christian? I pray that our answer after today in these next five weeks wouldn't be, uh, I don't know. So we need to be ready to explain it. Why? Because I just believe we are coming to a place in our culture where people are going to be looking to the church for answers. Why? Because everything else is bad. Everything else is falling apart. Everything else with so much division and chaos and craziness, politically, culturally, socially, there is one firm foundation that we stand on and that's the church and that's Jesus. Can I get an amen if you believe that today? But we need to be able to explain why to a very deep level. Because here's my fear is that, especially when it comes to the beliefs of what it means to follow Jesus, I was reminded of this old proverb about where some blind guys were put around an elephant and this little situation happened here. Here's this little picture. The blind and the elephant about how our own experience is rarely the whole truth. So we got some blindfolded guys and they walk up to an elephant. They had never seen one or heard one before. And one guy goes to the front and feels the elephant's trunk and he's like, this is a snake. The guy in the middle is like, no, it's a big old wall. Like I can't push this thing over. The guy in the back, which pray for him because I don't know what's gonna happen when you tug on an elephant's tail. But he says, no, it's like a rope. The thing is, they were all wrong. But they were basing it off what they could feel, what what they could touch what their own interpretation was, even though they were blindfolded. And what scripture tells us is that we are blindfolded to the truth until someone reveals it to us. And I want you to understand that you can take the blindfold off today. And culture really likes to celebrate that, oh yeah, it is a wall, because that's your truth, bro. That's where you're at. So that's your truth, man, you're right. No, you are wrong. Because at some point when he thinks that oh, that's a wall, or again, that, that guy thinks it's a rope and he keeps tugging on it, eventually he's gonna get a nice foot of truth to the face and realize that he was wrong. 
And I know this may be a, a big, thick conversation today, but I want you to know that there is the truth and that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The second part is just as important, that no one comes to the Father except through me. Not through my own experiences, not through my own opinions or perceptions, but through Jesus. And this was what was happening in the very beginning of different confusion, confusing teachings and persecution was coming into the church. And so the leaders of the church that day said, well, we gotta figure out what we believe. And so they came up with the Apostles' Creed. And today, I want when you leave today, uh, everyone can grab one of these little Apostles' Creed things that you can put in your mirror where you see every day or in your car, because I would encourage you to challenge yourself to do what I've done. Now, I'm gonna put myself on blast here and put myself, you know, just up to the chances of making mistakes to take, a, take time this week and memorize as much of this as you can. If you're like, I don't memorize stuff. Well, I promise you, you can memorize this and it'll really impact you. And you have the cheat sheet up there for you. And I'm not gonna try and look at my cheat screen down here. I'm gonna try and speak to you what the Apostles' Creed is, is I have taken some time to focus in and memorize this thing. And if I do good, you can cheer. If I don't do good, you can cheer because I'm a words of affirmation, love language guy. And so I need that, all right? So here we go. The Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Almighty Father, the creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his one and only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, he was crucified, died, and buried, and he descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again, and he ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of our Father, and he is coming again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins and the life everlasting in Jesus' name, amen. Did I do all right? All right, good. You can do it. You can do it. I've got two kids and pastor in a church. If I can do it, you can do it. Just take time. And I want you to lean on some of these things. Now, in some of those phrases, some of you are like, wait a minute, what's that Catholic thing in there for, right? <laughs> like, what's going on? And I'm not trying to scare you, but really what it meant when they first wrote this down in the original Greek, they were using the word, I believe in the whole church the entire thing. Like it is what we are building on. So why is this important? I, I'm gonna give you three points, but don't throw them up there yet. I wanna give you some context historically of why the Apostles' Creed matters, okay? So let me give you the first reason. Number one is there is close to a million words in the Bible. I can't even comprehend that, right? Like there's a lot of stuff that the scripture holds for you and I, a million words. And so the Apostles' Creed is a crisp, 100 words less than about pretty much the entire story and promises and provision and purpose of the scripture. And so what was happening was the church was exploding in the first hundred years after Jesus, just taking over the world. It's why the Roman Empire began to be threatened by it because they were saying, hey, we can't have this movement telling everyone that this guy Jesus is king, when we know that our Caesar is king, we can't let that happen. So that's why emperors began to destroy the church because it was taken over the world. And also what was happening, like with anything popular, people began to tell their own thoughts, their own truths, their own philosophies about it, and it began to seep into the church. And so the Apostles' Creed was really written for two reasons. Number one, to let everyone know like, hey, this is what we believe, and anything outside of this is not true, is not our foundation, is not the pillars of belief of what Jesus gave his life for and rose from the dead for. 
It's not what we're building. These hundred words is what we're building. The second reason was, so the first was to combat heresy and not let anything in. As I've told you before, I've used this story, is that if you ever talk to someone who checks for counterfeit money, they don't check the fakes ever. They, come per, be, they become professionals of the real one. So we become professionals of the creed of the apostles so that we know that anything outside of this is fake and we don't even give it a time of day. So Herod's a protection from heresy. And the second one was perseverance through persecution. If you think it's hard being a Christian in the year 2023 in the United States, you need to realize that 2,000 years ago, people were being killed simply for showing up to church. And there was a lot of persecution happening. And so the people in the church came to the apostles, came to the leaders and said, hey, if we're gonna die for this thing, I kinda wanna know what I'm dying for. And so that's what this was all about. And let me give you three quick things that you can write down in your notes today. Why the Apostles' Creed matters is number one, is to remind us that we are attached to something way bigger than ourselves. Can I tell you today that this is not just some nice belief that we walk with, that this is not just some new idea or new ideology that we follow or some motivational speech like this is the message of the creator God, of our savior Jesus that has changed the world, that has been and will always be like you and I are attached to it because of Jesus, because of our saying yes to him and surrendering our life to him. We are attached to the greatest thing and the greatest movement that the world has ever known and it's bigger than us and it's going to keep going past us but we're going to run our race right now like listen you're a part of something bigger than yourself this is not just some convenient thing where it's like yo let's go church brunch in Hyde Park afterwards if you want to do that come hang I'll do it but I want you to know that it's way more than that it's so much more significant than that and you have to believe that here's number two why the creed matters is because what you believe matters because belief determines behavior. Right now, with our five and a half year old son, Shepard, there are some things he doesn't believe when mommy and daddy tell him, hey, that's not a good idea. And that belief determines his behavior. And when it leads to him getting hurt, we tell him, hey, you just gotta trust and believe mommy and daddy, because we are trying to help you. And so for us today, I really want us to take inventory. What do you believe? If I were to ask you, what do you believe as a Christian? Now you can rattle off the hundred words of the Apostles' Creed. And I believe that that needs to change your behavior. Listen to me, Jesus did not come just to change beliefs. He came to change behaviors that then would change the world. And the third thing is what we build our life on will change everything. If you're not building on your life, if you're, if you're building your life on anything else other than Jesus and God and the gospel, it will fail you. Jesus even tells a parable about it. He says, the fool builds his house on the sand. The wise man builds his house on the rock. What does the Apostles' Creed mean? It's the rock that we're building our life on. That it's God the Father who started this whole thing. Jesus who showed us the love of the Father in the flesh. And the Holy Spirit who gives us the power to live forgiven and set free. I love what it says in Ephesians 2.20. It says, together we are his house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. My gift to you today is a foundation that will never fail you. My gift to you today is that you are a part of a house that is being built, that is changing the world. You know very well, and if it's your first time, I want you to know, local city is a capital C church kind of church. 
where, man, we love what we do and we have our own culture and values and, and excitement about what we do, but man, there's so many other great churches in our city and in the world that my thing is, I just want you going somewhere that believes in God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, and that's where you need to get planted, not just attend. You need to be a part of the house, and you need to help build it, because as, God, as you build God's house, He will build your life. That's a promise. So as we jump into this today, I pray that you would remove maybe any doubts, any fears, any conceptions or perceptions that you had walking into this place, and simply open yourself up to the Lord. Can I pray for you today? Father, as we step into the message this morning, we open our hearts, we open our minds, we write some notes down, and we believe that you're going to speak to us. God, I pray that you would be with us in this room as we listen and lean in, be with all of our kids next door as well and local city kids as they learn about the firm foundation of Jesus, how he is their very best friend. And Lord, I'm so thankful for the incredible people that are in the house today and watching online. In Jesus' name we say, come on, let's give one more good amen as we step into the message. And come on, give a nice shout and clap for everybody watching for Local City Church Online. So glad you're with us. If you're watching live today, we love you. If you're watching later on, we love you too. And we would love to have you in the room next Sunday. I want to give you a quote by one of my favorite authors, Eugene Peterson. He wrote the message translation of the Bible. If you're looking for a translation that's easy to read, I encourage you to get the message. I love it. But here's what he says in his book, The Jesus Way. He says, without hesitation and apparently without thinking, followers of Jesus have embraced the ways and means of the culture. They go about their daily lives in Jesus' name, but in the world's ways. The way of Jesus is an alternative way to the world, not a supplement to it. Here's where I want us to lean in today. You do not get to follow Jesus whichever way you want. I'm going to read it one more time because I know that's like, whoo, even heard it in the room. You do not get to follow Jesus whichever way you want. Let me, let me explain that with a very uh, significant and appropriate and important, uh, real, serious um, example. I used to go to a restaurant back in Clearwater that I loved for lunch once a week called the Oriental Super Buffet. I don't know if you've ever been there. If you live in Clearwater, I'd love to go with you. It's on Gulf de Bay. Um, love to go with you. But uh, I love buffets, right? Because when you're at a buffet, you just take that tray, you put your plate on, and you're like, yes. Come on, some General Zao's chicken, let's go. A little bit of bourbon chicken, orange, skipping that, that's weird. Orange and chicken, that's weird. If that's your thing, that's okay, but I feel like that's weird, right? A little rice, a little lo mein, top it off with some crab rangoon, right? You just pick it, whatever you want, skipping the things that you don't want because it's a buffet, my choice, my ways, right? I got my tray, and then guess what? I go to the table, eat it all, go back and get some more, right? Second round, maybe some stir fry, right, from the grill over there. Maybe swing by the sushi counter, right? And then they had ice cream there as well. You're just picking and choosing this flavor, that thing, not this way, not that way, right? And you're just taking your tray down the line. I gotta be honest with you, I'd been there so many times, I knew what I wanted, I knew what my way was, and I would get a little frustrated if someone was holding up the line, like standing like this. I'm like, yo, man, it's easy. Just pick what you want, keep going. I gotta be someplace, and we gotta get this Oriental, Oriental Super Buffet meal down, all right? Like, I love it. It's good. I'll go there with you. It's awesome. And we'll probably pray for health afterwards, you know, because it's just, you know, sometimes you just got to be real about the fact that this is, like, not healthy for me, but I'm eating as much as I can, right? And sometimes I believe, again, I told you it's serious, but it's funny, but it is intentional. And it's like sometimes we approach the Bible and God, like, all right, I got my tray. I got my plate and a little bit of scoop of this, a little bit of scoop of that. Nope. Orange chicken? Mm-mm. Not that. That's not for me, God. I don't, I don't flow that way. So I'm going to skip that. 
And the thing is, is that's not how it works. You don't get to follow Jesus whichever way you want. This is not the right approach. As convenient as it is, as easy as it is, convenient and easy doesn't change your life and it doesn't change the lives of those around you. You can't build your life and your marriage and your family and your purpose on this kind of approach. I think the Apostles' Creed is so powerful is because today we are simply holding the baton that they passed us over the last 2,000 years from Jesus. That today we are not deciding what our own baton is or putting our own plate together. We have received it from the leaders of the church in the past. We're running our leg of the race and then we're easily and in an excellent manner and in a truthful way and in a powerful way handing it off to those who are coming after us. Right now, this is what we have to take ownership of. Of what truth, what baton are we handing over to the next church of the next hundred years, of the next thousand years? Who knows when Jesus is coming back? It doesn't really matter. What matters is I'm alive today in 2023, and I'm supposed to run this leg of the race with this baton that was handed to me from the apostles 2,000 years ago that is still true and unattacked. Well, it's attacked, but unknocked down today is still just as true as it was a 1,000 years ago and just applicable, just as real, just as powerful. So I'm running my race with this baton, and anyone that tries to rip it out of my hand or write their own thing on it or change it, I'm gripping it and holding on to it and saying, ah. Uh-uh, this is my creed. This is the truth. Write this down. I believe this. Nothing else. I believe what the apostles died for. I believe in what this creed says. I believe that I cannot do this on my own, and I am not recreating or deconstructing or rewriting anything because I don't know better. There's this approach today that we get to say, like, well, you know what? I don't really know if they knew what's best. I know what's best. Wrong. So wrong. And every time I've lived my life that way, man, it has not ended well. We believe this. And here's the thing. I love the first few lines of the Apostles' Creed is I believe, not we believe. Because you can kind of skate by with a we believe. Because we can be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we. But eh, I'm still, jury's out for me. But we, I'll, be, I'll show up, yeah. But remember, belief determines behavior. And so you have to move from this broad we identity of what you believe to I. Because here's the thing, your life will not change. You will not get to the eternity in heaven with Jesus on borrowed faith from someone else. You have to make the individual choice to say, I believe this. I had this moment come to a realization in me. I had grown up in church. My parents brought me to church, and I loved it. I loved it so much. And then I had to come to this understanding that, man, I need to make this decision for myself. There's two words for knowledge and for the word know in the Bible, and one is iota and one is gnosko. Iota means I, I, I know this in the sense of, like, I know it just by memorization. I know my phone number. I know my address. I know the password, except I need Google to remind me all the time, right? Like, I just know this. Gnosko is moving from here to here. Like, I know and love my wife. I know how real God is. I know that I can't do my life without him. See, my fear is is that we're getting by through life with this, but we have not moved to this. Maybe you were brought up in a generation where I feel like sometimes the reason we grew up with with a... chip on our shoulder towards church or a hesitant approach to church is because our parents or our leaders or our teachers taught us from just iota and not gnosko. It was like, memorize this verse and look this way and behave that way. And it was never, hey, you know why you need to do that? It's because without Jesus, 
man, we're lost. Without Jesus, we're broken. Without Jesus, we are chained to our past and our sins and our mistakes. But with him, when we gnosko him, we are set free and forgiven and redeemed. You need to believe this. Today, I, it doesn't take long. I believe you can move from this to this. And I want to help you do that. One of the things that I'm doing, one of my circles that I'm leading this semester is this circle called Faith Essentials. It's only six weeks long. It starts this Wednesday night. Six weeks at our local city HQ where I'm telling you, here's how you have that gnosko knowledge that becomes something that is so real to you that you can never imagine not knowing it, not having it, not holding on to it, and it begins to change the way you behave. It begins to change the foundations that you've built your life on, and you wake up every day knowing that I believe this and no one's changed in my mind. All of us have to come to this bedrock understanding that this is it, man. And it all, all comes from language. One of the things that Adrian and I do when we counsel couples here, when we're getting ready to marry someone, we've got a few marriages coming up, I tell them this, hey, if you want to succeed, you need to remove these two words from your language, separation and divorce. Because if it's not an option, you won't even think about it. If it's not an option, you won't pursue it. If you say, I'm committed to you no matter what, there is no other thing. I meant it when I vowed in sickness, in death, in, in health, in all that stuff, I'm committed to you. I need you to come to the bedrock faith of God, I believe you. And I'm not letting doubt or fear even into the vocabulary. It doesn't mean that we don't have questions. It doesn't mean we go through difficult times. I'm not telling you just to have a pie in the sky type faith where you're like, everything's great, too blessed to be stressed, woohoo! I don't like those people. Because I need you to be real sometimes. But I need you to understand that there is a line of being real and then moving into unbelief. And unbelief will destroy us. But being real with a bedrock foundation of, you know what, I still believe this, holds us together. Why? Very first thing in the Bible, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Who? God. The first four words of the Bible can change your life. Because if this is how you approach your life now, like I believe this, I believe that the Almighty Father was the creator of heaven and earth. So in the beginning, God, big as bold as I possibly could make it on the notes, circle it a hundred times, in the beginning, God. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about you. It started with God and came from God. And the reason we exist is because God spoke it into being. This could totally change the way you approach your day. How do you wake, in the, uh, wake up in the morning? What happens in your in the beginning? In the beginning, I'm awake. In the beginning, here's what my day has. In the beginning, here's my problems. Here's my issues. Here's where I need this or that. Why don't we try this week and come back? I challenge you to come back to me next Sunday and say, you know what? I woke up every single day saying this. In the beginning of this day, it's about God. In the beginning of this day, God goes before me. In the beginning of this day, God is bigger than my problems. God is the center of my relationships. God is the one that helps me live, move, and breathe. He is what? Write this down, the almighty creator. That's kind of the concept of today. I'm giving you two things that you need to know, that you need to believe, that you need to have on the creed of your heart. The almighty creator. This only came from God. The reason we exist is because of God. And when they say in the Apostles' Creed, in the beginning, God, a lot of other people were like, sweet, I believe in the gods. But what did they change it? What did they add? I believe in God Almighty. No one compares to him. 
that got them in a lot of trouble. Because now they were saying, I mean, let's just be real, my God is better than yours. (laughs) And it's not something of like, you know, my shirt's better than yours, my outfit's better than yours. It's not, man, I'm just telling you, my God's better. My God's bigger. My God's real. My God's the God who performs miracles. My, My God is the one who sent his son to conquer death and sin and the grave so that I could be forgiven and free. My God is almighty. Because the popular like, story of creation back then was called the Enuma Elish. I know, a lot of big words today. Just stay with me, right? Like It was the prevalent thing. And the story about it was that there were these gods called Tiamat, who was one of the gods that was considered all-powerful. And then there was the god Epis, who they were kind of friends. They were, they were hanging out. And then there was another god named Murdoch. Funny names. Like, great, if you're, it's a lot of babies about to be born, here you go, I'm giving a bunch of baby names right here for you, right? This Murdoch or Marduk, whatever they would call it, decided that he was going to now kill Tiamat and Epis, and so he goes and destroys them, kills them, eats them, and then the way the entire cosmos is created is that he passes them, to be not Kurt, <laughs> and that scatters that passing along all of the universe, and that's how we were created. Something out of disgusting story, something out of battle and anger and war. That's what people believed. And we laugh at that today. But I'm at the approach now where I laugh where people are like, oh yeah, man, this all happened. See, the Enuma Elish centered on also not only anger, wrath, and war, but it happened by accident. And we have a lot of people, maybe even culturally, maybe even some of us in this room that are like, yeah, man, I don't know if all this happened by God's creation. The Apostles' Creed tells me it did. That's all I need. Actually, I just trust God. And actually what we're seeing more and more is that scientific science is kind of catching up to what God already said. I follow an astronomer by the name of Hugh Ross. If you ever want to go to sleep, I encourage you to listen to his podcast. But there's a lot of stuff in there that's really good. And here's what he says. I came to trust in Jesus as my Savior after a two-year personal study of the Bible that convinced me that Scripture is free of contradiction and error doctrinally, historically, and scientifically. God created this thing, and we need to believe that. Because guess what? If it's just a happenstance, if it's just an accident, if it's just lower G gods at war, what am I going to turn to when I don't know where to turn? And I believe you're more valuable than that. I believe God breathed life into you with intent and identity and purpose. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to let something like evolution or other ideas that require more faith to believe in, by the way, Distract me from the fact that, yes, you may think I'm foolish, but God created this thing, period, in the statement. God is the source of life. God is the one who spoke this into existence. Because you know what it also takes to believe in other things? More pride. Because we want to place it into something that we can explain, something that we can prove. And if that's the way your relationship with God is approached, you will never see the full life that Jesus wants to give you. But if you say, you know what, God, you created this thing. If you say it, I believe it. I trust you. I believe this. God created, write this down, God created everything that's ever been a thing. (laughs) Everything that's ever been a thing, God created it. He is the source. And remember how I told you in the Enuma Elish, it's all about war and pride and anger and by happenstance and even silly things. But when God created the world, he created it in a place where it finished in rest and care and healthy rhythms of the day, and experiencing the beauty of the creation, all centered in enjoyment, because this creation was a gift to his kids, centered on true, real love.
He is our almighty creator. Nehemiah 9.6 says this, You alone are the Lord. You made the skies and the heavens and all the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You preserved them all, and the angels of heaven worship you. How many times does it say, God, you made this? And God, you preserve it. I want you to know God made you, and he preserves you. And the only way you live with that firm foundation is just believing that that is true and believing that apostles and leaders in the church died for that. And they literally were people who walked with Jesus and they wrote this down. The, let me just tell you, the Apostles' Creed was written before the New Testament was put together. They didn't walk around with this. But they needed something they could grab a hold on to. The Apostles' Creed is so important is because it's the first written text that the church believed in, gathered around, and quoted. Now we have the Bible. We believe in it. We gather around it. We quote it. And it all came from the creed that these apostles were giving their life to. They wanted you to know, of all the things, how do we get this million words down to 100? One of the words they chose was that God is your creator. Life started with God. In the beginning, God. Not me, not others, not what's popular, not what's easy, not what's convenient, but in the beginning, God is the one that created this thing, and we're running to tell anyone that wants to hear about it. Even though I gotta knock some people out to get through there, right? Like sometimes we gotta do that, knock that stuff out of the way. It's why the baton works great for both things. Almighty creator. <laughs> Second thing is, they wanted you to know, these, I mean, just listen to this, listen to this. They wanted you to know that he's your creator, and of all the words they could have chosen, he's powerful, he's mighty, he's big, he's the God of the universe. They chose the word Father. They wanted you to know that God is all-powerful creator of the universe. Aladdin, phenomenal cosmic powers, itty-bitty living space. And that itty-bitty living space is that he is your individual father. He's so big, but he's so small. And the apostles knew that there is no way that people are going to hold on to this if it's just an iota thing. They have to gnosko this thing. Because when push comes to shove and we're going to be killed for this or persecuted for this or tempted on the easy way out, it's not just going to be, oh, I've memorized this. It's, no, man, I feel this. I know this. This is inside my life, inside my heart. I build everything that I am around the creed that God is God and that he is my almighty father. I love this idea that, that they wanted us to understand that this is how we relate to God. And I believe this is one of the biggest blocks we put in our hearts. See, Martin Luther was an early church leader. Not early, early, but definitely was a guy who had a lot of reformation about what we were doing. And he grew up in the Catholic church. And what happened was that he had such a hatred toward his father that when the Catholic church would pronounce the Lord's prayer of our, our father, he wouldn't even skip that part. He wouldn't even say that part. He would skip it and just go into our father who art in heaven. He would never say the phrase our father because he hated his earthly father so much. And when he began to realize and get a different viewpoint of God that realized that God is not only a creator, he is our father, this relational approach, that's what totally began to change his life. And he realized that I don't have to go talk to someone else in a box. I don't have to pay, which is what they had to do for their forgiveness of sins. I can go directly to my father without any restrictions, without any barriers because of Jesus. You know who knows this? My one year and one week old son. I never have to, I never have to, I didn't have to teach him like, hey, come to daddy. He just does it. 
His first word was daddy. Let's go. Well, dada. Now it's no, which is great. That's the second word. Don't have to teach him that either, which is another message. But isn't it interesting that at a year old, my son knows if I need something, father, dada, right? You know to do that. And I fear is that you would allow your earthly relationship with your dad, whether it was horrible or lack thereof, to identify and define your relationship with your heavenly father. I want you to know that you can lean into an almighty father today. And here's a phrase that I want you to write down and really grab a hold of today as we begin to close and the band can come up, is that God is our adoptive father and an adoptive father had a choice. He didn't have to bring you into his home, but he did. Biological fathers, I'm stuck with my two. <laughs> but I love them. I love, don't hear me. I love them. <laughs> but I'm stuck with them. You know, there's that, there's that part in the day, come on, parents, that you're like, man, I'm stuck with this, all right? Like within the other part, the other 23, hour, 23 and a half hours, you're like, I love them. But for those 30 minutes, you're like, ah, I'm stuck with you guys. <laughs> but, but, but when it comes to an adoptive father, I have chosen to bring you into my house. I want you to know that God isn't stuck with you. He chose to bring you in. He's committed to you. And that is worth trusting him. That is worth believing him. I was reading in my other studies for this talk that God doesn't have any grandchildren because there's no descendant separation between us and him. It's immediate sons and daughters through Jesus. Like we are direct sons and daughters spiritually to our heavenly father because of Jesus. What does it say in Ephesians 1.5? That God decided in advance that he was going to offer us this adopt-us persona, to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through who? Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God decided in advance that this was going to be the way that he was going to do it. God decided in advance that he was going to give you the choice and the chance to call him father. Jesus calls, his, calls God his father 186 times. He says, Father, Father, Father. There's one time where he doesn't. And it's in that end of his life moment on the cross where he is taking upon all of our sins, all of our brokenness, all our mistakes. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, Jesus took one moment to remind himself that, he is, that his Father is God and invited us to call God our Father for the rest of time. You want to change your prayer life? Start praying Father a lot more. You want to change your prayer life? Start approaching him with a relationship and knowing that he had a choice and he chose it anyway. Jesus stretched out his arms like this on the cross for people who would never believe in him, for people who would curse his name, for people, he would turn, who would, people who would turn their back on him, but he still did it. And it was that witness, that creed that these apostles began to build their life on and they realized no matter what false teaching comes our way, no matter what watered down approach comes to this truth, no matter what physical persecution comes my way, God is my creator, God is my father, and he is almighty, he is better, he is stronger, he is the promise-keeping, miracle-working God, and I will never turn my back on him because he's the one who saved me and redeemed me. He is the one who gave me life. He is the one who's adopted me into his family. I want you to know you gotta believe this. You gotta believe. It cannot be we. It cannot be maybe one day. Today is the day that you can move from that iota knowledge to not, I've not memorized this. this. isn't something I've just grown up with. This is mine. When I was a freshman at Florida State University, go Knowles, they're doing well this year. 
When I was a freshman at Florida State University, I remember I was there, I, I was four hours away from everything I'd ever known. And there was, I always say, I, have, I had like the briefest, you know, doing my own thing testimony in history. Because like for like one week, I was like, let's go. Parents are away. All my church leaders are away. Let's go, 18 years old, let's do this thing. Started going out late, doing all the things that you do when you're in college, when you have no foundation. Remember late at night on a Saturday, not even early, early like Sunday morning, like two o'clock in the morning, I was walking back to my dorm from some club or something that I was at. And I had this thought in my mind of, I don't know where it came from. I was like, man, I wanna go to church in a few hours. <laughs> like I wanna go to church today. And I had this thought of like, no one's calling me tomorrow to make sure I'm going. No one's gonna know me there. But I realized, man, I cannot do this thing without God. This is empty, this way of living, just doing whatever I want. This is no fun at all because what happens when I truly need something to be attached to something that's bigger than myself? And I said, you know what, God, as I'm walking to my dorm, I want to make that decision that, you know, I've given my life to Jesus, I've been in church, but I just finally made the decision that I believe this. This is mine. It doesn't matter what comes my way, this is mine. I've decided in advance to be adopted into his kingdom, into who he is, into Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.